0: Hey, this is me, Ron, of Aqua Teen Horror Force, and you're listening to the Canned Air
1: Podcast, which means you must own you an iPod.
0: Ooh la la, ain't you fancy? I used to have a nano shuffle until it got stuck in my meat, and then got covered, in.
1: That German mustard dipping sauce I got inside of me and now it don't work no more.
2: and welcome to another episode of Can Dare, your tribute to pop culture. I am Jeremy Colley. And I am Randy Hardenbrook. And joining us today to talk about his comic, Moby Dick, Back from the Deep, the Complete series, which this sounds really damn cool. It really does. I'm excited (laughs) to look more into it. We welcome comic creator Matt Shore to the show. Matt, thank you so much for being here, man. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Well, we appreciate you being here, man. Thank you. And we're going to have a good show today. Uh, we're starting off in the Retro Roundtable, talking uh, everything Bruce Willis. You know, it just came out in the news, well, I guess in the times we've had off uh, in the last few weeks, that he is leaving the uh, acting world. He's retiring uh, because uh, his family and, uh, has come out and said, he, I can't ever pronounce this, as he has... Aphasia? Aphasia? Don't, don't
0: look at me. I'm going to fuck I'm not, it up worse. <laughs> I'm, sure I made,
2: I'm sure I said it horribly, uh, but uh, apparently it's a disease that kind of goes after the part of your brain that, you know, memory, uh, speech, and stuff like that, which was horrible to hear. You know, I've always loved Bruce Willis and thought we could uh, pay a little bit of tribute to him this Hell evening yeah. with our retro roundtable. And then after we do that, we're going to turn our attention over to Matt and talk about Moby Dick, Back from the Deep, and everything else Matt has going on. But before we do anything, don't forget to find us on Twitter at air Pod and on Instagram at canned underscore air. And if you like what we're doing, want to show some support, there's many different ways you can do that. Head over to CannedAirPodcast.com where there's a merch tab. You can get T-shirts, mugs, stickers. There's a Patreon tab where you can, uh, you know, for 5 or $10 a month, uh, get access to a ton of extra content we have over there. Uh, the Candair Patreon pod, Candair Radio Theater uh, our very first episode. The traumatic episode. The traumatic episode where things went horribly wrong, amongst many other things. So and, many things I can't even think of right now.
0: And if you're interested in how the show got started, we're also currently uh, doing, in the process of recording kind of the canned air history on the, the Patreon pod, Yeah, we've so. got
2: the first episode of our uh, history up there. And you know, we're going on nine years, so there's a lot to cover. <laughs> but one of our patrons wanted to hear uh, the history, our, our own history. We're not just doing it to fluff ourselves, people. And that's kind of the power you get over there. You know, if, if you're paying for that content, you also get to control what we're talking about. So, you know, exercise that power. And if you don't have the money uh, to support us, you can support us just by going to your uh, podcast player of choice and leaving a review. And that helps tremendously. Quite a bit. Yeah, <laughs> quite a bit. So, uh, many different ways you can support us if you like what we're doing. And uh, I wanted to remind everyone uh, at the end of April here, April 29th, 30th and May 1st is the Fan Expo in Cleveland, which is uh, what was formerly Wizard World, Mm -hmm. which is a con we used to go to all the time. Yes, we did. And uh, excited to start revisiting the con. Yeah, it's going to be excited. It's been a few years, you know, between COVID and between Wizard World transitioning into Fan Expo. We've kind of been out of the loop with them, so excited to get back in there. A lot of great guests are going to be there. William Shatner, Michael Rooker, Ron Perlman, Billy West, Rob Paulson, Kevin Smith, just to name a few.
0: Yeah, it's going to be an awesome show.
2: Yeah, and yours truly. We're going to be there. We're not going to have a booth, but we're going to be walking around, talking to people, uh, pressing the flesh, you know, shaking hands, kissing babies, that kind of stuff. So if you would like to meet up with us, if you're a fan, want to meet up, let us know. I think we're going to be there Friday and Saturday. Saturday, yep. So Yeah, shoot us a message, and we'd be happy to meet up, meet some fans. And what
0: else am I forgetting there, Randy? Uh, Your boys are members of the Evergreen Podcast Network. Check us out on evergreenpodcast.com, all the other great shows. And uh, yeah. Yeah, and uh, that's another exciting thing we're going to be able to do is... uh, See the new studio. See the
2: studio, the Evergreen Podcast uh, headquarters. We've never been, and very excited to see that and uh, meet everyone there. So lots of cool stuff down the pike. And of course, I'm sure we're going to come home and talk about our whole experience on that episode. Of course. As we do. <laughs> All right, I think that's going to do it. Let's kick it off with this week's Retro Roundtable.
0: Yeah. Do it. Do it. Come on. I'm here. Come on. Do it now. Oh my
2: God. The kill Grass tastes
0: <bed. gasps>
2: bad. All right, guys.
0: Bruce Willis, where do we even begin? Randy, you want to kick us off? So, uh, I'm going to go not necessarily to the typical ones that I'm sure you guys are going to pick, but uh, my first one uh, is going to be Armageddon, so.
2: That was one of those that totally slipped my mind uh, (laughs) until I was looking through the list of Bruce Willis' work, and I'm like, oh, yeah. There were a lot of those, oh, yeah,
0: movies I was finding. Oh, yeah. No, it was just, it was a fun disaster movie, um, a lot of really good actors in it. You know, it it made Aerosmith relevant again to a whole new generation, and- uh,
2: Uh. Uh eh, I wouldn't say it rejuvenized them. I, I wouldn't say they were totally irrelevant. What about you, uh, Matt? Would you?
1: I would agree. Uh, one thing I got to say is it, it also gave us a country cover of uh, an Aerosmith song, which is one of the worst things I've ever heard in my life. So <laughs> I'm, that's a notch against Armageddon for me. <laughs> <laughs> what
2: song are you referring to? I don't remember a country cover.
1: Uh, I don't know who the singer was, but I just remember this country guy crooning out, I don't want to miss a thing. Oh, it was awful! Oh yeah. Now, now you, you guys got to be
0: honest with me because I know I did this, and I'm sure a bunch of our listeners did too. That song, if you ever made a mixtape for a crush or significant other, that song was on there. Tell me I'm wrong.
2: That whole soundtrack was like a mixtape, really. I mean, it was. That yeah. The whole Animal Crackers track, like, just irked me. Like, it was like Ben Affleck <laughs> and Liv Tyler's back and forth while he's like dancing animal crackers on her (laughs) stomach. And I'm like, come
0: on with his really awesome Australian accent. (laughs) Was it?
2: It's been so long. (laughs) I just remember uh, going to see that opening weekend and uh, it was just clear sold out. And, you know, this was before you were buying uh, tickets online ahead of time. You just showed up if, if, you know, you didn't get to the box office on time, you were SOL (laughs) and SOL. I was, we ended up seeing something else. I can't remember what it was. I'd have to go look what was out that weekend. (laughs)
0: I'll tell you what the most uh, unrealistic thing about that movie was, though. All of it. <laughs> <laughs> I had a joke, but thank no, no. Steve Buscemi getting a, uh, a, a stripper girlfriend at the end of it. Oh, uh, well, you know he had
2: just saved the world. He so, had, he had. You know,
1: and it is Steve Buscemi. Come on, now. Yeah. Yeah. This is true. This is true. Not in that world, though. <laughs> it was just,
2: it was just random oil oil driller number three right. who happened to be on an asteroid or something. He wouldn't have got that girl before that mission. Mm -mm, No, no.
1: No, that's true. You're right there.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But uh, it's funny how that movie um, just did not age well. A lot of those movies from that time period didn't. And at the time, it was like, wow, bravo, you know, like, (laughs) this is a cinematic masterpiece. And I'm not saying it's not a fun movie still to watch, but just seeing how far cinema has come, you know. Bruce Willis, Bruce Willis in space. <laughs> All
1: right, Matt, uh, let's cut over to you. Uh, you know, speaking of ones that most people don't—I'm sure nobody has heard of this film—but it's special for, to me. It's a film called *In Country*. I don't either one of you are familiar with this? Mm-mm. No. It is it. It completely bombed. It was supposed to be like his uh, Oscar bait didn't happen but he shot it in my hometown that I grew up in little town of about 10,000 people and so it was the biggest thing for this little bitty town that Bruce Willis was coming in to shoot this movie
2: wow and
1: uh, I was I was very young I was like six, seven years old. So I only have a few vague memories, but I distinctly and I never saw him in person get that out of the way. But <laughs> it wasn't for lack of trying because there was one scene where uh he's supposed to be this Vietnam veteran and he was okay. having this like flashback in the midst of a storm and it's just messing him up with his head. And we went there where they were shooting that scene. It was next to the old football stadium. And I just remember seeing all the fans and things set up, blowing in this one house looked like a tornado was was in the midst of hitting it well, while everything else is perfectly calm. And uh, <laughs> we st- like all of Mayfield stood across the street to watch them shoot. <laughs> see, everybody's trying to look. Get a. I was like standing on my dad's shoulders trying to get a look at Bruce Willis, but it didn't happen. This was but, uh, they,
2: while they were filming, you were there uh, looking yeah,
1: on? I was, I was right there. And it might have been set up. Like I said, I was really young. So some of these memories are really kind of vague, but I distinctly remember standing across the street, watching them shoot the scene. And uh, yeah, I I know I never saw Bruce Willis. I desperately wanted to, but it didn't happen. But uh, there was that, and they built like this restaurant somewhere else in town just for that scene. Uh, Excuse me, just for that movie. It was like a a barbecue place with a giant chicken on top. But Anyway. uh, Kenny
2: Rogers Roaster. (laughs)
1: I forget the name. I think it was just called Emma's or something. I'm
2: sure. Yeah. I just had to throw little, that little Seinfeld joke in there.
1: <laughs> well, speaking of Seinfeld, that, that leads to the second part here is like uh, Bruce Willis recommended a local barbecue place called Hills. And uh, a few years later, Jerry Seinfeld came to our town and went to eat barbecue at Hills Barbecue. And that, wow. everybody talked about that. That was a big thing. So, yeah, I thought about that when you mentioned Bruce Willis movies I thought well here's one I'm sure nobody thought about and it's kind of a personal story for me absolutely Um, I wish I could have seen him even if it was from 100 feet away but uh, you know he was in he was in my town there he was for a little while anyway I I wish it could have done more because I mean that movie vanished you cannot find (laughs) copies of it anywhere (laughs) what was it called one more time it was called in country in... And the only place you're ever going to find bootlegs are in my hometown of Mayfield. They're the only ones who want us.
0: <laughs> That's just where they all are. They just sell them there. It's the, <laughs> the, the old, old
1: VHS rights. copies. Yeah, That's all
0: graphic. Yep. It's like
2: on the sign when you drive into town, filming location of in country. <laughs> like what? With Bruce Willis. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and
1: I I barely remember it. I saw it again about five or six years ago. And I remember when I was older, it was kind of fun watching it's all these scenes. I'm like, I know where that is. Yeah. <laughs> Used to go there all the time. I know what that is, and so yeah. Wow. It was, so that that's a cool little Bruce Willis story that I have. What year was that? Did you say? I'm gonna say 86, 85, okay. 86 somewhere around there. Wow. That okay. Yeah. Wow. So that was early on his in
2: his career, right? Fairly early. Yep. I mean, yeah, he would have been. Um, that was probably right after. <clears throat> it would have been right after Die Hard. In okay. Die Hard, you guys remember Moonlighting?
1: Yeah. I no, I vaguely remember it.
2: Yeah. My parents
1: watched it a lot and I would wander in the room while they were watching
2: so it. So did mine. So did mine. And that's how I remember it. It was him and Sybil Shepard.
0: Okay. It was okay. a sitcom.
2: Not a It was just a, I like, mean, it wasn't like a live studio audience show, but it was a show on uh, ABC. Okay. Yeah. Like a uh, dramedy kind of a show. Gotcha. Like they hate to love and love to hate each other kind of a show, if I remember correctly. <laughs> but, um, yep. Wow. I'm going to have to go on YouTube and see if I can find clips of that movie because, yeah, I I'd never even heard of it.
1: Yeah, I think there are clips out there, but I've never been able to find the whole film anymore. Hmm. So so if you do, let me know. I know a lot of people in Mayfield that would want to get their hands on that.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Somebody was working hard to scrub that off his resume, it would seem. <laughs> wow. All right. It was uh this isn't even one of his movies, but you know, speaking of those years, it was nineteen eighty seven that I don't know if you guys know this, but Bruce Willis put out an album. He put <laughs> out multiple albums. Yes. Were you guys aware? Mm-hmm.
1: I knew that he had. That's the extent of my knowledge.
2: Right. Well, Well, the first one was called The Return of Bruno, which was kind of his uh, nickname, Okay. which uh, I think surfaced a few more times throughout his career. But um, And there was a song on there called, uh, what is it, Respect Yourself. It actually, I think, in 87 was in the chart, top five in the charts for a short yes, time. But I've... I'll put it at the end of this episode so people can hear what I'm talking about if they don't know but uh they're fun they're fun to listen to i mean just from a nostalgic bruce willis point but they all kind of have like a uh very much the sound of that time, kind of uh, Michael Bolton-y, but not corny. It's uh, it's like like sleazy downtown New York saxophone with harmonica, with and like with a,
0: backup singers, right? Uh, yeah, and okay. like a Michael okay.
2: uh, Bolton reverb on his voice, kind of a thing. But uh, it's it's fun to check out, and it's on uh, like iTunes. It's probably okay. on Spotify too. You know, if you just want to give it a quick listen. And then he had another album in eighty nine called "If It Doesn't Kill You, It Just Makes You Stronger." All right, right. Good advice. There you go. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Um,
2: But as far as movie, uh, my favorite has got to be Unbreakable.
0: Mm, Yes.
2: Absolutely love that. Uh, I I just, I remember seeing that in the theater and just being like at the edge of my seat because it was like, you know, that, that movie came before all these, you know, the Marvel and DC movies that are, you know, it's such a mainstream thing now. Right. And at that time, I think it was early, like 2003, maybe something like that, that had come out. And obviously comic book movies were out and about, but they're just not the same thing. You know, you were like thinking of Batman Forever, or Batman and Robin. <laughs> and I think, you know, Spider-Man, um, Tobey Maguire, was that 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 was probably around the same time that was coming out? Probably. Like, yeah.
0: There wasn't a lot. Going it was close. On that.
2: Yeah. This was, like, the first time you got that, like, real, like, realistic look at what this world would look like. The dark and gritty. Well, it just as real as it could possibly be if these kind of beings existed. And gotcha. it was so good. And, um, you know, obviously then Split came out. Uh-huh. And nobody having a damn clue that that movie played into that same universe until the very, very end. You see Bruce Willis in that diner watching that scene on the television. And then, of course, the third uh, glass. Did you guys enjoy Glass?
1: I didn't get to see it. Oh, I I mean, I want to. It's on my list, but I just just haven't been able
2: to. Make a point because it is so good. It's not. It's not as good as Unbreakable. I think I'd say of the three, it's probably. It's probably comes in third place uh, to the other (laughs) two, but that's not to say it's not good. Uh, I think maybe just there was a lot of information to process, but damn, it was still really good with, you know, M. Night's uh, twist ending, you know, on it still, but... Oh, I just I get chills. I might have to watch that tonight if I can't find uh, in country, but we'll see.
1: <laughs> I, I would recommend that over in country as, <laughs> as, as special a place as in country has in my heart. I, I cannot in good conscience recommend it. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think if there are any movies like that. um I guess the closest thing for us being in Columbus would be the Shawshank Redemption. I and mean, not that... In Marion, which is... Right. Uh, or Mansfield, excuse me. Mansfield, Ohio, which is just, you know, about an hour, hour and a half north hmm. is the prison that they filmed that. Have they released Cherry
0: yet? Released what? Cherry with Tom Holland, wasn't that uh, I th- filmed there too?
2: I think so, maybe.
0: Okay. I, I, no, I, I mean, I, mean
2: I know it was filmed up there. I just don't know if that's released. And there was some movie downtown Columbus here that uh, years back that maybe John Travolta was in, but I can't even remember what it was called. Mm. Um, But I would say Ohio's biggest claim to fame movie, at least that I'm aware of, would be the Shawshank Redemption.
0: Well, and just the fact that at any time they want like a Midwest state, Ohio always gets name dropped. (laughs) Well, with good reason. (laughs) With
2: good reason but
0: uh anyway randy back to you so uh you know being <clears throat> being a father you know i get into the kids movies now and then but i actually saw this one in theaters when it came out but uh one of bruce willis's rare uh animated movies which was over the hedge uh have i'm you not seen that? sure what that is so it uh, i think it was dreamworks that put it out the same uh it, it was after shrek and after madagascar something so
2: it, about a hedgehog Or a porcupine or something like that, right? So
0: it's basically a bunch of forest animals and there's a development that goes up and they like block off the woods with a hedge. So the whole kind of the point of the movie is um, Bruce Willis is a raccoon that is trying to basically pay off this grizzly bear that he stole food from so he doesn't get eaten and enlists all these forest animals to help him out. Um, Unbeknownst to them, they're just trying to get food to survive the winter. But uh, it's got a pretty good cast. The the bear is actually Nick Nolte. Um, oh well, no kidding! Steve Carell plays a squirrel that's like super amped up. That's not the least bit surprising. William Shatner is actually a possum.
1: Yes, <laughs> William Shatner is in this movie. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Which
1: um, go ahead, is
0: perfect <laughs> casting because just his overacting and the whole possum dying yes. just is amazing. And Was then, there
2: like a, a con reference or something like con? Uh,
0: there might have been. I don't remember if there was or not. To be honest with you, but Abler, Avril Levine one. plays his daughter. Mm-hmm. She's in it, and then and then um, any of my Shit's Creek's uh, fans out there, uh, Eugene Levy and Catherine O'Hare were a husband wife porcupine in it. Oh, so nice. <laughs> Anything they're in, but it's typically good. It's a cute movie. I mean, it's a typical. If you like Shrek and you like Madagascar, you'll probably Meh. like this one. I, I aged out hard. See, you guys
2: have kids, so mm-hmm. I mean, you we have an excuse. <laughs> yeah, there's reasons for those things to still still cycle through your life. I when I see a Shrek meme or something, I'm just like, uh, you know, like,
1: get off, burn like, it with get fire, get off of my phone.
2: <laughs> but
1: um, I, I feel the same way, even with kids. For, for <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> so you're not going to be going to see Sing Two or anything like that.
1: No, probably not. I didn't see the first one, so
2: good on you. <laughs> good <Yep>. on you. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Uh, I guess that brings us back over
1: to uh, Matt. Okay. Kind of, again, kind of off the beaten path of Bruce Willis films. And I don't think he's considered the star, but Death Becomes Her. If anybody remembers that film starring uh, Goldie Hawn and um, Meryl Streep, Mm-mm. who discover like this, they discover the secret to immortality. And that the, the trade of familiar. The, the most famous image from it, and this is back when like this kind of, we were really on the cutting edge of like CG graphics. They, there's a shot where I, I think they like Meryl Streep fires a cannon or something at Goldie Hawn's chest and it blows a complete hole in her. Yes. And she's standing in the rain with a hole in her chest. You can see right through it. We'd never seen anything like this from a movie before. Yes. And she comments, look at me, I'm soaking wet, like completely oblivious. <laughs> you know?
2: Wasn't but, there a part where like one of their heads, I don't know if it was Meryl Streep or Goldie Hawn, but like the head completely turns around yes. or something
1: too. See, yeah, the the, the trade off was like they're immortal; they cannot die, but their bodies are still fragile, and that's what happens. So yeah, they twist their heads around, and <laughs> yeah, and so they're like, I I forget all the horrible things they do to each other, but it's like Looney Tunes level stuff. But then it's like, well, what would a human body really look like afterwards? And that's what it does. But for me, Bruce Willis really stole the show in this thing because he didn't get any of those powers. He's just this normal human who has no idea that these women have done this to themselves, and he's just caught in the middle looking at it. Because I think it starts – he's married to Goldie Hawn, has an affair with Meryl Streep, and he's just this bumbling idiot throughout the whole film. (laughs) But he's so theatrical and over the top, and like the first time – one of them survives what should have killed her. He's just like, it's a miracle. <laughs> and then the other one survives. And he really goes over the top and like the camera work and there's like lightning in the background and he just shrieks out, It's another miracle. <laughs> and that is him throughout this entire movie. And yeah, he he stole the whole thing for me. Like and that's with Meryl Streep on screen. So you know, there you go. So yeah. Sure. I, I don't think a lot of I don't think people think of it as a Bruce Willis film, but for me, he was the best part of that movie.
2: Right. And that was late 80s, early 90s, right? Like that was... uh, I'm going to say,
1: yeah, mid 90s or somewhere in that area. Yeah. Right around the time Jurassic Park was becoming big. It's so
2: crazy to... um, And I'm not... It's just crazy to look at all the movies that were using computer graphics around the same time that Jurassic Park came out. Because like even to this day, that movie it's not perfect with its graphics but it still sets a standard you know right. what i mean and i would um, argue
1: the first jurassic park looks better than all the current jurassic worlds so oh, yeah. no oh, doubt yeah. for <laughs> no <laughs> doubt
2: <laughs> though i still want to see the new one well um mainly because well, yeah. the uh the old people the old guys are back right you know? right um as soon as i saw them in the trailer i was like all right chris pratt and bryce dallas howard you've been fun but go get get
0: the hell out take your your lap velociraptor and get out of here
1: (laughs) (laughs) i didn't think chris pratt and them were all that fun anyway so I'm, i'm
0: fine with replacing
2: them. he was okay i guess you know if i can't have the original people in there but um well, one thing that's funny, uh, Jeff Goldblum in this new trailer, you know, looks as young as he possibly can. But um, in that last film, like when he was standing in front of like this, the that court or whatever, right. he looked like, like fucking John Hammond. He looked old and befuddled <laughs> and gray as shit. And I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> but yep. but uh, anyway, moving on. Um, another little fun fact here. Because I, I had no idea about this. Little Richard married uh, Bruce Willis and Demi Moore in real life. Wow. Yeah. And uh, he also married Tom Petty and his wife, Dana, and married uh, Cindy Lauper to, I don't know if it's still a current husband or a past marriage or what, but yeah, isn't that nuts? That is crazy. I did not know that. And Bruce Willis, like before he was an actor, used to be a uh, bartender in New York City. And supposedly, you know, had been deemed the best bartender in New York because he was like super entertaining. I think uh, I had read somewhere that John Goodman said that he remembers him being a bartender before either of them had made it. Isn't that crazy? That
0: that is insane.
2: Yeah. Kind of nuts. But um, also going, you had said something about a cartoon series Mm -hmm. or the the movie. He had his own cartoon series in 96 called Bruno the Kid.
0: Really? I did not know that. I I never heard of this.
2: I when I saw it, I was like, "Really?" Because I I didn't remember any of it. But I looked at a trailer. They had a little YouTube trailer link there, and like little sparks of memory were kind of coming up. I don't think I ever watched the show, but I think maybe had seen commercials of it or something. Uh, but yeah, he he um not only voiced the kid, which from the premise, from what I was taking from it, was a kid who had convinced the he was a spy was a kid but he convinced the adults around him that he was also an adult or something (laughs) so he could be part of this this spy agency about the 80s and 90s oh yeah but you know speaking (laughs) of graphics it was like it was like he had like a a boss he was he would take direction from okay and it was a cg bruce willis uh, 96 like oh no computer animated for a kids tv show (laughs) bruce willis and it was uh Man, (laughs) kind of rough. Check that out. Yeah, I'm going to have to see if I can find any clips of any episodes. I mean, I'm sure it's not good. I mean, it didn't stand, you know, those were kind of the golden era of, you know, 80s and 90s of cartoons. So if it didn't stand the test of time, there might have been a reason for that. Right, right. um, All the same, it was something I had no idea about when it came to Bruce Willis. Uh, Okay, uh, sorry, I just got to drop those fun facts really quick. Um, As far as another movie, The Sixth Sense. Oh, yes. Boy, I guess both of my picks so far—M. Night Shyamalan movies, aren't they? Unbreakable and Six Sense. <laughs> I didn't even put that together earlier. Sponsored
0: but... by, <laughs> right? <laughs>
2: <laughs> but uh, I mean, that's still a very, very, very good movie. That movie has aged very well. I think. Am I wrong? Yeah,
1: it has. Yeah. Now I just got to ask, like at the very end of this episode, are you going to like pull your mask off and be what? Bruce Willis underneath is that going to be the twist? Or... <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to shut up. For the no, he's going to be 96
0: CGI face Bruce Willis. <laughs> you, you can tell I've been a dad for a while. That, that was a horrible
2: <laughs> <dad> joke. <laughs> oh, but but um just Bruce, his reaction at the end when he starts piecing together that yeah. he's a ghost i that that scene has just kind of burnt in my memory just that like wash of holy fuck how did i not see it yeah but um then quickly settling into it you know of course it all makes sense i'm, I'm going i'm gonna see these the show always gives, gives me homework i'm gonna have to go watch that again <laughs> now after glass and uh in country correct oh uh, yeah if you can find
1: it <laughs>
2: if you oh, can I'm on a find mission. it you have
1: two hours and you have two hours of your life. You just do not need. Go
2: ahead. I tell you, I've given two hours of my life to much less in the past.
0: So,
1: <laughs> okay, there you go.
0: I'll, I'll test the water. <laughs> All right. Where are we at? Uh, Randy. All right. So again, I'm, I'm avoiding the low hanging fruit here, but, uh, There's a comedic pairing that I never thought would work, and I guess it really didn't, but it was still interesting to see, which was uh, him and Matthew Perry and uh, the whole nine yards and the whole 10 yards. Mm. Which do you guys have you seen that? Do you remember that?
1: I remember hearing
0: about it. I never saw it what you it say? on
1: television so i saw like you know the swiss cheese version gotcha <laughs> yeah. well you probably didn't really
0: miss much else but for any of the listeners that don't know what this is it's a uh basically kind of like a, a buddy criminal film where uh bruce willis is a hitman that moves next door to a dentist played by matthew perry and uh there's a whole bunch of shenanigans rev- uh, of revolving this was
2: in the height of friends Popularity, right? I think
0: so. And I always get this movie confused with analyze this and analyze that with uh, De Niro and right. Billy Crystal. But I mean, really similar concepts, actually. But basically, his neighbor is just a serial or a, a hitman for the mob, trying to lay low, goes up to Canada, lives next to this dentist. And it's it's typical 90s B grade movie. But it's it's fun to see Bruce Willis and Matthew Perry interact sure. with each other. Doesn't he want
1: out Isn't that like his whole story, like he wants out of the business. He wants to lead a normal life, but he can't just come out and say it. Right. And everybody around him. thinks He's a killer and they're all terrified of him.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I think it spoilers. <clears throat> but at the end of the movie, the, the way he gets out before the, the sequel is he uh, basically has uh, Matthew Perry's character cast his teeth and like burn a body or something so that they, they think it's him. Based on the dental mm, records,
2: clever girl. So
0: yeah, Jurassic yeah,
2: Park, I know, he's not, I know, he's not a girl. <laughs> I just have to. Sorry,
0: it, it's not a movie you should go out of your way to watch, but it's fun if you've seen it. Sure,
2: I mean a lot of these, a lot of these movies are not great. They're just fun, mm-hmm. and sometimes those are some of the best movies. <laughs> I Forgot about that though. Yeah, I think Matthew Perry had a few movies
0: come out after uh, the. I was trying to think. The only ones I can think of were. Those two, the, the well, that one in the sequel and then the one he was with with Chris Farley, where he's like like an explorer, like in the early like frontier days. Oh, my God. I forgot I about saw that movie. That. <laughs> yes, I remember that. I don't remember what it was called. But oh, shit. I, I know what you're talking about. It's like across America. So it's some like aren't, weird, super generic name. Aren't
1: they like the the Explorer team heading west right behind Lewis and Clark? So yeah, they have yeah a, that's exactly very very complex about them
2: yeah They're yeah trailing that's exactly them what trying to beat them and yeah, Matthew Perry plays very much the David Spade character to Chris Farley's antics. You know what I mean
0: And I think and if I remember right, I think that movie's horrible, but the only claim to fame was I think it was Chris Farley's last movie before he passed. It was.
2: He died yeah, in the middle right. of making it or right after making it And the reason <clears throat> I can't think of what it's called. It's because John Candy... You're thinking of Wagons East. I'm thinking of Wagons East. John Candy, which is also set in like... is Well, I, I can't say the, the Chris Farley movie was set in the Old West. But, you know, they're like set back in time. And um, John Candy died during the making of that movie. Mm. That was Wagons East. That was a good film. Oh, my God. That is driving me nuts. I've got to
0: look up with that. We have that the power co- of the internet. Please hold. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, he was like kind of like an admiral. He was like real dressed up, kind of s- snooty, and then Chris Farley was like the, the wilderness like Daniel Boone character. Almost heroes. Okay. Okay. There it is. Yeah. I was oh totally off God. on that one.
2: <laughs> I totally forgot that existed. I cannot wait to watch that one. 98. That came out. <laughs> All right, well, Let's brings us back around the map.
1: Okay. Uh one more people might be familiar with is uh Fifth Element. One of oh, my yes. all-time favorites. Uh, yes, big <laughs> bada boom. I, I, I swear, somebody just had the idea. I was like, what if we did Die Hard but put it in space, and we got Fifth Element because he's John McClane in that movie. Th- oh, that for movie. sure, right? He's in yeah. Everything about him is John McClane. <laughs> like one of the, one of the best intro scenes where, and it's it's. The visuals of this movie, are they're very kind of like Blade Runner, but mm-hmm. happier, if that makes sense. <laughs> just, there's this great scene where he's in his apartment and this flying tra- uh, door-to-door uh, Chinese restaurant guy, I guess, Brings his like, it's like an old airship looking like something designed with dragons, like out of ancient China, just, all you know, horribly over the top for American consumerism, I guess. But he gets some kind of message that while he's trying to eat his lunch there, he's like, oh, I don't want to bother. It's probably bad news. And the guy says, no, no, no. Chinese food is good luck. I'll bet your lunch. And Bruce Willis says, all right, fine. He says, here, you read it. And he hands to the guy who's serving the food. He opens up and he just goes, you're fired. Oh, <laughs> oh there It's and Bruce Village just shrugs as well. At least I got lunch.
0: <laughs> there are so many and there's so many good actors in that too. Gary Oldman's the bad guy. Um Chris Gary Oldman didn't uh, in
1: it, uh not a great actor, but Tiny Lister, if anybody remembers him, from uh, No Holds Barred with yes. Hulk Hogan. He's the president of the United
0: States. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> no, I don't. Well, and then, then Chris Tucker is that freaking <laughs> yes. uh, super annoying. Um... That movie introduced me to Chris Tucker. <laughs> and Yes, yeah, he was hysterical in that movie. Where Speaking did Chris of comedy
1: Tuck- pairings.
2: <laughs> Where did Chris Tucker go? He just seems to be <sighs> devoid.
1: It's he, like he retired or something. He
0: was living off that Michael rush Jackson. hour money. Yeah, there you go.
1: Yeah, there it is. That's the last thing I really know I'm doing is the Rush Hour movies.
2: Yeah, no, that's, that's but, been a minute ago at this point. Yeah. yeah. I heard that they were uh, rebooting that or something. Oh, God, no. I know. Oh, no, please no. Why? I mean... Like, maybe into, like, a series or something, which is even worse. Like, why
0: even dilute it? Just leave it there. There is no way. If you rewatch <clears> the first Rush Hour, there's no way half those jokes would go over and be PC or not get heat.
2: Oh, I mean, it's not like man. they would use the same jokes, but um, all the same, like, don't fix something that's not I broken. Know, you know, I know what I mean? I know. I don't uh, know.
1: Yeah. It's the desperation of Hollywood. Like, movies are so freaking expensive to make. They got to get some with some kind of built-in audience now. Right. Can't afford to take chances like they used to.
0: Right. That's I think that's
1: I think that's why the 80s and 90s stuff is so appealing now because they, they were kind of ballsy back then. Because oh, they absolutely. could afford to be. Like, right. You can't afford to be ballsy anymore.
0: So. No. Because you might get almost <laughs> heroes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well,
1: I mean, I, I sympathize. It's a business. you got to make money. You can't right. just go broke trying a bunch of new stuff. But it, it's just kind of a shame. I thought the whole thing about digital technology was like movies are supposed to get cheaper. But no, they got even more expensive. So. Right. So, so now we're getting, you know, what, what are we on now? The, the fourth or fifth iteration of Star Wars? Oh, Lord. Yeah. I mean... <clears throat> <laughs> I, I'm always happy with
2: more Star Wars as long as it's done well, but like I don't know, the Disney Star Wars movies really <laughs> were shitty. <laughs> I thought Force Awakens was decent, but the other two were crap. It's the series that are kind of the saving yeah, grace for me. For sure. Yeah,
1: I hated Force Awakens. Like I walked out of that and I was like, I've seen this movie. This is part yeah. four. Yeah. It I, I watched definitely this movie was. 30 years ago. Why am I watching it? Now? <laughs> Yeah. At least uh, the Last Jedi tried something new. They failed, but yeah. I mean, at least you gave it a shot. I right. Guess. Speaking of ballsy, at least you're willing <laughs> to try something.
2: It's just not a good idea to get ballsy and try something new in in a movie where everyone expects a certain chemistry. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Oh,
1: I don't know. Very true. Yeah.
2: I don't know, but damn was it bad. Damn was yeah. it bad. <laughs> It I just was I, really bad. <laughs> I'm excited for Obi Wan though.
1: That's going to be that sweet. does look good. I am too. Yeah i i I've, I've wanted that. Like I wanted when they were doing the anthology stuff because I think that was the original plan, wasn't it? Some kind of an Obi Wan standalone anthology movie.
2: I had heard something. Was, yeah,
1: yeah. I was real eager for that, so so I'm excited to get something with Obi Wan. Were,
0: were they cool. talking about like an Emperor Palpatine, or was that you guys back when you were talking to the nerd back, like? Oh, yeah. Uh,
2: last time uh, James Rolfe was on the show, we were talking about movies we'd like to see. And uh, I had suggested loving to see uh, Emperor Palpatine's okay. like, you know, growing up, like okay. how he became okay. what he was and with Darth Plagueis the Wise, you right, know, and all right, that right. stuff. <laughs> oh, God, that'd have been awesome. But uh, yeah, yeah, uh, man, I, I'm going down a Star Wars foxhole, I apologize, because I can... Keep... I,
1: I I started that one, I'm sorry.
2: That's no, deep. no, no, you certainly didn't, I just, I saw a spark laying in the lint, and I started flaming it, like, as hard as I could. <laughs>
0: Die Hard, pull us out.
2: Well, you know, we, I think we should end at least touching quickly on Die Hard, obviously. Um One fact that I did find out about that movie, I did not know that... <clears throat> The scene where uh, John McClain is underneath the table, like shooting up at a bad guy or something. Okay. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. The, the the bangs from that gun next to his head were so freaking loud that he lost, what ear was it? Uh, he lost two thirds of his hearing permanently in his left ear Jesus. from that scene. What isn't that That's crazy motion
0: to your craft
1: <laughs>
2: yeah, Right
0: Well that was only what it's like third movie so you Something know.
2: like that and imagine if that movie Had fallen the way of in country It's like I Lost hearing for that like right. it's, it's one Thing it's like okay I made like the most Badass action movie of all time so It still sucks but okay at least You know damn good came out of it but Shit
0: all right I'm gonna take You because I was thinking about this when I came up but I'm gonna Take you guys down a quick foxhole if, if We got time for it uh, quickly quickly okay so in in the world of universe building now that you know we're doing all this stuff with all these different properties now like the glass and the unbreakable the mcu all that stuff what i really want to see is i want to see a movie with lethal weapon and die hard kind of combined so you got Guy <laughs> Ma- john McClane and then uh, Riggs and Myrtle. wow that'd be a movie
1: well, i have to ask is the die hard universe the same as the family matters universe
2: Man, get out of my fucking head already. <laughs> <laughs> you read my
0: mind. We can make this all one big universe, guys. Did, Come did on. That, and did that
1: actor play anything other than a cop?
2: Everything I saw him in, he was a cop. <laughs> he was a cop in Ghostbusters. He was a cop in Family Matters and in the first two Die Hard films.
1: Turner and in Turner and Hooch. Oh, shit, that you're one. right.
0: <laughs> They're all connected. Oh, it's all one big MCU. all are, yes. <laughs> one big universe. And and Carl all Winslow.
1: Carl Winslow. He's the focal point. He <laughs> is the dark tower of yeah. the MCU.
2: He's the thread that binds the world. <laughs> I, I love though um uh John McClane and his back and forth in the first film. Mm-hmm. And you know maybe it was just a thing where Like, maybe he just wouldn't sign on for, like, the later Die Hard movies, but I would have loved their relationship, like, you know, being buddies and solving these things together, kind of on opposite ends of the spectrum, continue throughout those films. Right. That would have been so cool. That would be cool. Because you don't see shit from Reginald Val Johnson really anymore at least that i don't know of maybe he's in a cop drama somewhere i think he's done
1: some... if he's doing anything he's a cop <laughs> he's doing a cop <laughs> maybe somewhere. he's really a cop now
0: <laughs> he the finally.
2: he's like you know i really do wear this
0: <laughs> i think he's done some voiceover work recently oh. but i i don't know past that
2: that's somebody we've tried to get on the show several times yes and just doesn't ever work out but uh holy hell so a cop reginald <laughs> <laughs> Why? No. no, I remember the first time because it wasn't until I was an adult that I realized he was the cop in Ghostbusters who came and pulled him out of their cell to go talk to the mayor. And I I had to like pause and like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's Carl, you know, like
0: wow. I'm just it's now, destiny we're going right? I'm going down this mental rabbit hole of placing Steve Urkel in all these action movies with <laughs> Oh yeah.
1: I want to see Steve Urkel working with Egon. To create some kind of new containment field for the
0: ghost I, I, want, I want to see Steve Urkel and uh Mel Gibson's rigs trying to there you <laughs> go.
1: I could go for that. I
0: could go with that. Wow. I,
1: I, I loved Steve Urkel as a kid, and I'm not gonna apologize for it. I like You don't him. have to. And, I, I did you know, too. You're
0: among good company, my friend. <laughs> I'm a toy collector on... and I have
2: the Steve Urkel doll in one of these uh closets.
1: He was also Sonic the Hedgehog, and I have oh. to love him for that. So oh, yeah. No.
2: He was? So yeah, the the voices was. in
1: all the cartoon series. No shit. Yeah. Wow. That's why when I saw the new movie, it's like that that's not Sonic. I don't know who this <laughs> this, this blue hedgehog running around is, it, but it's not Sonic. Yeah. I don't recognize that voice. That sounds like Dewey <laughs> from DuckTales.
2: <laughs> well he's uh he sells weed now.
1: Yeah, he does.
2: He he has his own brand called Purple Purple Urkel or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I
1: didn't know that. That's fun. Yeah, Yeah. he does.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Another person we try to get on the show. Oh, yes. Those Family Matters people, man, they're untouchable, They're hard to get, yeah. They're hard to get. I'd love to have any of them, though. Right. Honestly, it'd be awesome to have any of them on the show. Because that show and and obviously Full House and uh, uh, what was the other one? There was a third one in there. Was it Step by Step that made up the uh tgif lineups like all those shows playing back to back were just so uh. freaking fun on a friday night uh and i'm like like matt said i i won't apologize for that
1: <laughs> well it's anyway. like really matters you talk about like holy shit moments like in the midst of all this just you know cornball cheesy kids laugh stuff all of a sudden they hit you with this heavy heavy racial story where uh uh, the The son uh, Eddie was that yeah. the oldest kid's name. Mm-hmm. He's pulled over because he's a black kid in a white neighborhood. I mean, that's heavy stuff. It's like yeah. and it just comes out of nowhere. I forgot about and, that episode.
2: Yeah, and then Jesus. there's like
1: a. And I remember another one where Urkel's getting bullied, and Eddie feels like he's got to stand up for him. And you know, everybody's telling him, you know, if you stand up to a bully, they back down. And everything about this show has led you to believe that's what's going to happen, but. No, the bully actually tries to take a swing at Eddie and Eddie has to fight the kid off. I remember <laughs> so, that. I mean, there was, uh, yeah, so only two or three times that happened, but when it did, like, it hit hard and they really, really did a good job with it. Like, you wouldn't think this sort of, you know, full house style comedy would be able to touch weighty subjects like that. But right. It and it did, they did like good. you said,
2: so, so well. <clears throat> and yep. if you haven't seen it already on YouTube, there is a uh, cast reunion of family matters and it's about an hour long and it is really really good i strongly recommend watching it if you haven't seen it
1: I'll have to but, find that
2: yeah but uh anyway we got to get we got to move on here uh boy i've loved the foxholes we went down on this conversation <laughs> this has been a lot of fun but uh again you know I'll put that Bruce Willis song at the end of the episode. But, you know, our thoughts go out to Bruce and his family and, you know, wish you the best and thank you for all the, you know, amazing stuff you've done in your career. And there's so much, you know, we could go, we could talk another hour probably on just Bruce Willis films. So, all right. I think that's going to do it for our retro. So we're going to jump to a quick commercial break and when we come back, we're going to be talking with Matt. Stick around. You know, a lot can happen in seven minutes and luckily All right, we are back from commercial and again joined by comic creator Matt Shore. Matt, thanks again for being here. It's been a lot of fun thus far, man.
1: It's been great for me too. Thanks so much for having me, guys. Absolutely.
2: Well, let's uh, just start out, you know, tell us a little bit about yourself and
1: how you got into writing, man. Okay. You know, it was sort of... I guess destiny cuz as soon as I started learning how to read and write I started actually trying to do it so there's but it, and it was always about monsters that's that's just who I am I guess <laughs> nothing wrong I, with that right <laughs> yeah there's uh, like stories from childhood at first grade I had a folder I don't know if kids still carry folders to school anymore but I did I had a folder with Freddy Krueger on it and it like scratched and like sweet dreams from Freddy Oh no nice. <laughs> I was that kid uh what else there's uh I actually found a picture recently in a photo album of myself, like eight years old. We used to go on vacation to Florida on the beach like every you know nuclear family did in those days. And I'm, I'm out on the balcony of our condo writing this story about giant sharks coming after people. And, you know, 10 feet below me is the beach. So, of course, I did. And, uh, yeah. So that's – yeah, it's the moment I could write. I started doing it, and it was always about monsters and science fiction and all that stuff. So – and just progressed from there. And as far as like what I really kept getting into, it w- what really s- put the nail on the coffin was getting into, or I should say discovering tales from the crypt. You guys oh. might've heard, heard of this show. I don't uh, know. Just a little bit, a little, <laughs> bit. A little bit. What's this it's, tales uh, of the crypt you speak of? Yeah. It was uh, previously of course on HBO, but then there was right. this big deal where it came to Fox. It was going uh, to be yeah. to basic cable and we had basic cable and I forget exactly when, I just know that I was less than 10 years old, and it was when shows like that would have that disclaimer at the beginning, like, the following is not intended for all audiences. Viewer discretion is advised. It's this black backdrop, white letters. That's how you knew and it was going to gonna be good. Yeah, the catnip for yeah, children I was say, back to an, the to an eight-year-old boy, that means stay tuned for something awesome. <laughs> yeah.
2: There's either blood and, or boobies, <laughs> one of the two.
1: Yeah, it's going to be great, whatever it is. And then the, the the very first episode I ever saw this guy drags a dead body (laughs) eight years old watching this guy drags a dead body into a bar and everybody's horrified and they start to somebody either pulls a gun on him or something. And he says, go ahead and kill me. I'm already dead. And this is the guy that killed me. That's the beginning of the show. Wow. I was hooked from there and never. (laughs) This is awesome. Yeah. I'm, I'm just like, all right, I'm in. You got me. But, uh, but yeah, that, that's where I really, I think, got sealed in with horror because I, I liked spooky stuff up until then and monsters, but Tales from the Crypt really made it fun because it was all about that that mean twist at the end. And so, uh, yeah, from there, you know, just loving horror as I got older. I loved actual Friday the 13th because that meant there'd be a marathon and just progressed there to where I actually started getting... I got out of college and kept writing. I worked for newspapers and just uh, when I finally found the resources and time to actually devote to writing something and trying to get it published. And uh, in this case, a comic book, it was was gonna be about a monster. And so that's what I did.
2: That's really cool. And I'm sorry to divert, but you just jogged my memory on something I haven't, I've totally forgotten about until you were talking about, you know, kind of writing about what you were seeing around you. I remember when I was like in my freshman year of high school, maybe junior high. I don't remember, but I'll be quick with this story because I got to get it out before I forget it. In our English class, we were given the assignment. You know, we had like a day where we didn't really have anything planned. So the assignment was just write a fictional story, you know, fantasy or horror or whatever you want. So I said, all right. So I started writing a story about that picked up right from that moment you know right after we had been given that that assignment and essentially what the story was was that I came to find out that all my teachers and the principal weren't our teacher and principal they were actually aliens that they you know (laughs) they pulled these rubber masks off and I had discovered that they this these aliens had placed bombs around the school and so you know the point of the story was to stop the aliens and defuse the bombs The next day, I was in the principal's office and they were questioning me about (laughs) my intent with this story of bombs in the school. And this was years before, like, Columbine and any of that
1: kind of crap happened. Isn't that fucking nuts? That is crazy. Wow. Yeah, because I, I came from a time with if you remember the game Doom and Doom Two. Oh where yeah, you could you could create your own levels. Mm-hmm. All we ever wanted to do was make a level out of our school, and it had yeah. it was no ill intent. <laughs> we just wanted to make the school into a level, and then all of a sudden Columbine happened. Like, oh, you can't do that. <laughs> delete, 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 delete. <laughs> I just, I, I get it, but it's kind of sad, you know.
2: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess so too. Now in today's climate, but then I was just like, I just sat and stared at him like do you think i'm stashing aliens because i i wrote about aliens too like what the fuck man i watched
0: invasions of the body snatcher and then i you played... said the
2: right like a science fiction horror kind of thing <laughs>
1: like anyway i'm well, sorry well, I, I i feel compelled to ask them like what's in the closet behind you guys like not you aliens. you don't want to know right? Matt, and you better <laughs> okay.
2: stop sniffing around <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> or you'll find yourself in there with that
1: stuff <laughs> fair enough fair enough <laughs>
2: Oh, all right. Anyway, I'm sorry to divert, but let's talk about Moby Dick back from the deep because this looks sure. awesome and I've never seen anything quite like it. The fact that Moby Dick comes back as a zombie monster whale. Can you tell us more about it?
1: Sure, yeah. That, that's the premise. It's Moby Dick uh, is still out there. He's the zombified sea monster causing chaos and devastation wherever he goes. And of course, this is Moby Dick, so... Captain Ahab is also in this story, but he is also a zombified creature <laughs> nice. along with his entire crew hunting this whale. And uh, I'll, I'll go into like where the idea came from. I saw one of these really stupid YouTube mashup videos where they took footage from the made for TV movie. They did with Patrick Stewart. If anybody saw that, the, the legendary Patrick Stewart, I remember yeah. Ahab. he got, he they only did it because of that one scene in uh, first contact, but anyway, <laughs> It's him hamming it up as only Patrick Stewart can. And the premise was supposed to be like he travels to the future, gets a nuclear bomb, and drops it on the whale, and that's it. And that just got shit. Yeah. And that gave me just this idea of like hunting the whale throughout time. So I took out time travel and just made it really brutal. Like he's actually having to hunt this whale for all time. So that my concept there is like uh, the whale itself, and I never delve too deeply into this, but it's more than just an animal. And Herman Melville kind of hinted at that a little bit. It kind of left it up to the reader to decide. I make it very clear. It's definitely more than just an animal, but that's about as far as I go. He's a a creature, a monster, and it has to be stopped. And well, Ahab, because he was so obsessed with hunting it in life – now he's cursed to hunt it in death.
0: And the wow. only way he is
1: ever going to know peace is if he can finally kill this thing and rid this scourge from the world. And so that's that's where we're at. And the whole story is told from the perspective of a, a young girl named Catherine Barlow. Uh, her town is the one that is feeling the, the current wrath of this whale when it shows up for the first time in so many years. So everything is experienced through the eyes of this, this child who is, because I thought, you know, who's going to be more frightened by this monster, Ahab, who's not afraid of anything or a child. And so I I had to go with the child because that's somebody who's vulnerable and all the fantastical things they're really going to be experiencing at all. So we see it all through her eyes and it's very much her journey and her story, even though Ahab plays a huge, huge role in it.
2: Mm, Man, that sounds so cool. You just really (laughs) sold that to me. (laughs) Now, thank you. This has been a uh, comic that's been in the works for like the past what
1: four plus years, right? Yes, it has. Um, so, I, I I might be a little biased, but I I think the story behind getting this thing out there is pretty good. I had uh, tried pitching it around to various publishers, and just just didn't get any real good responses. Uh, the the biggest response I actually got was from IDW Publishing. People might oh, know. Oh, nice. That. Now, they uh, they came back and said, unfortunately, our schedule is full, so we just can't do it. So uh, I'm just going to take that to mean that they thought, damn, this is awesome, but we just, we're just we just already booked. We can't do it. So. Right. So I've held on to that ever since. I can't prove it, but that's what I told myself. <laughs> anyway, when I couldn't get any traction, I just thought, you know, I, I want to tell this story. I've got it. I've got it written. It's been in my head. I got it out, and I, I just want to tell it. And even if only 12 people read it, I'm telling it. So I felt around to try to find uh, an artist who was interested and uh, got several responses. And the one I liked best was the guy who's doing it, Joe Bilisic. and I can't praise Joe enough. The whole reason this thing matters at all is because his artwork is spectacular. And I explained to him, you know, here's my situation. Like, uh, I'm not going to be able to pay a whole lot for this thing. I can pay a little bit over time if we can make it a webcomic. And he said, yeah, sure, let's do it. And so week by week, we would publish a page, because that was all my funding would allow for. And uh, we just kept going. And I watched the uh, viewership, I guess you could say, just kind of slowly tick up over time. And just fast forward to today, and over 100,000 people have looked at this thing on our our webcomic. And uh, if you want to read it there, you better hurry, because I'm about to take it down. Oh, <laughs> shit, really? Yeah, well, because now I want you to pay for it. I mean, well, well, yeah. being the capitalist that I am, right? <laughs> no, I just, I, I already had
2: assumed that it wasn't up anymore. I didn't realize it was still out there.
1: I left it up until I'll say the this final Kickstarter that we did, which just wrapped up. So now I think it's time to go ahead and take it down because that was how I built that interest. A lot of people that wanted physical copies had been reading it as a web comment, like, okay, yeah, I I wanna own this thing. So and that act that that kind of acted as my sort of um, promotional deal with it. So that coupled with Kickstarter, you know, all those other things. But, uh, but yeah, anyway, like I said, uh, four years, and uh, we did a Kickstarter. Anytime we finished an entire issue, we would launch a Kickstarter to print that one. And I, the worst thing in the world could happen, I succeeded. So I had to just keep going then. And each <laughs> Kickstarter got progressively more successful to the point where this last one we did and I, I really wanted this to happen this was our biggest and best one that we ever did so we got to end it on a high note and now I can go back to you know IDW and whoever say hey look I did this on my own it just kept getting bigger Are you sure you yeah. can't find a spot in that schedule now so we'll <laughs> yeah, see what that, happens you really there. blew it
2: out of the water with that last kickstarter you almost got uh quadruple what you were asking right yeah
1: it was and, yeah congratulations success. Yeah. Thanks so much. And, uh, I will say that if anybody still wants one, you can still go to my website, Matt shore.net that's M A T T S C H O R R.net. Cheap plug. <laughs> go there and visit, the, <laughs> visit my web store and you can get past issues and, uh, it's not up yet, but once I want to have everything squared away. I'll put the fifth issue up there for sale as well. Very
2: good, man. You really, you really obliterated all my other questions I had about <laughs> it too, really. Um, but damn! Oh, sorry. No, don't apologize. <laughs> you just really had me intrigued. So, uh, you said that this will be available for uh, people to get on your website. Is it going to be available like in stores as well, anywhere or, as of yet, or is is that like why you need to like get IDW or another publisher on board? Yeah, or?
1: primarily. Yeah, at the moment, it's very much indie publisher. It's me. There are a handful of local shops around around town. Uh, one that I will plug, and I'll plug the heck out of these guys. Rick's Comic City, right here in my hometown. They carry copies and they invite artists to come, like specifically local writers and artists to come for free comic book day. So incidentally, May 7th, if you guys or any of your listeners are in Clarksville, Tennessee, stop by, pay me a visit. And while you're there, definitely uh, you know, patronize Rick's because it is a I, I love all brick and mortar comic shops, but I, we've got a really, really good one right here in my hometown. Rick's is a great place. Oh, man, I wish we were closer. I'd love to check it out. Yeah, it's it's a small little shop but it's cool. Those Those some of the best, best yeah. though. Yeah. 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 They're the best ones. Little hole in the wall dives, yeah. One of the have best shops, best restaurants, best everything.
2: <laughs> wow. <laughs> and home to in country or is this or is this the same town? No, that- no actually I have
1: since relocated. I live in Tennessee now. That was okay. in Kentucky, right? Yep, Kentucky. Okay, gotcha. Sorry, I missed that. Yep. That's I don't think thing. I said it, so that's that's my fault. Don't feel bad. Okay. <laughs>
2: Another thing I wanted to touch on is you are a podcaster
1: as well, sir. Sure. Yeah. I'd be happy to talk about that one. Yeah, uh, if you could a little bit. It's it's quite a, a step away from horror. It's called <laughs> Tales from a Small Town Journalist. Um, you know, I mentioned briefly earlier that I worked for newspapers. I did that for about 10 years and I worked for two papers and they were both small community papers. You know, Mayfield, 10,000 people. I worked for the Mayfield Messenger for about uh, right about eight years. Then after that, when I relocated here to Clarksville, I worked for the Leaf Chronicle newspaper for another 10 years or two years, not 10. Not that old. Two years. (laughs) So that makes 10. And uh, I do still contribute a uh, biweekly humor column to them about my trials and tribulations as a father called The Hard Way. Um, But I decided that journalists, especially small town ones, we you're kind of uh, journalists are always at the forefront of history. They're the first ones there. Uh, first ones to talk about it and in small towns that's that's definitely true and small town history can be really weird so <laughs> like <laughs> and, and so we have and so we we can have some of this the weirdest strangest goofiest and at the same time most wonderful stories that you'll ever hear like one one of my own that i told in one of the early episodes um it was like my fourth or fifth year working at the Messenger. And it was the end of the day, and we're about to wrap up. I'm ready to go home. And I looked up, and there's a window right in front of me. It looks right out the the town square. And I see running through the middle of the street a cow. Just this (laughs) cow running by itself through the street. And a few seconds later, I I think there were three or four veterinarians in scrubs chasing that cow on (laughs) foot down the street. Four or five seconds after that, again on foot, three or four police officers chasing <laughs> after the vets and i stared at this for a moment trying to put it digested and i just looked back at my editor who sat behind me and i just said i got to go take a picture of that don't i and he's like yeah you better hurry cuz yeah. you're gonna get away <laughs> it's like it's like a benny hill
2: skit <laughs> happening yeah. right in front of you
1: <laughs> that, that i mean that's the stuff that happened like uh, another time i was riding with them to to catch this guy who had like this uh, armed and dangerous suspect that police were trying to catch he'd been on the run for two straight days schools were locked down everyone was terrified and we're driving down the road and up ahead there's this Amish cart because it's an Amish community nearby and he's kind of trying to wave at us and he's pointing in the back of his cart and we pulled up beside him and I was with the sheriff when we did this sheriff looks out and they're just sprawled out in the back of this thing is this dead tired suspect that they've been looking for he trying to escape from police it only made sense to hitch a ride with an Amish guy. He GTA'd and, an Amish guy. <laughs> he, well, he didn't even do that. He just asked for a ride and oh, just fell down man. in the back because he was so exhausted. And, and, you know, classic small southern town. The sheriff looks at him and is like, are you the guy we're looking for? And, yes, sir, I am. <laughs> okay. Stay right there. The it's Amish like, guy was like letting me. you guys know like he's here. Yeah, he was waving at us, and as we got closer, we could see he was kind of waving, and he had like his thumb pointed out. He's he trying to trying to point in the back of the cart as <laughs> safely as he can, because the guy and the guy didn't threaten the Amish guy. Just like, hey, can I have a ride? And the Amish guy, well, sure, just hop on in, because there's He Didn't hospitable. tell you
2: where the ride would end uh. up, though, right into the
1: hands of law enforcement. <laughs> uh. Yeah, so that's. I, but I mean, that's that's small town stories. That's what you hear all, wow. all the crazy, that's goofy crazy. things like that. And uh, and part of it's a little bit personal. I won't lie, um, because I've I've felt like for a long time, journalists were really uh, badly portrayed and uh, talked about by a lot of folks. And uh, I sort of reached ahead during a, a certain administration. We'll just we'll leave that nameless. <laughs> but I. Uh, <laughs> but regard like for instance, um, the the. Easy cliche that people constantly go to is how biased journalism. It's always liberal bias, always liberal bias, and I'm sure. just like I. My editor was firmly conservative. I worked at the second newspaper I was at across from a loud, cantankerous, borderline obnoxious conservative Vietnam vet, and we all loved each other though. We all got along right. great. There was no, and we we used to talk a few times. Like you know, if there was really this conspiracy this would be the worst place to do it because all we want to do is like uncover stuff. So, I mean, isn't the journalist going to like, Hey, guess what's going on that you guys didn't know about, but that's, that's a, that's a soapbox to get on. And I just, I just thought that the best way to combat that wasn't to just keep trying to insist. It's not true, but to just say, okay, look, here are the people you're talking about. Here are their stories. Just listen and tell their stories. There's no, there's nothing about, uh, we're not diving into trying to convince you of anything. It's just like, Here's what their experiences are. And, you know, if you listen to them, you'll find that these aren't like there are only two or three Anderson Coopers in the world most journalists are guys like me they're part of your town they're just trying to make a living just like the rest of you there's no ivory tower there is nothing right. at all glamorous about being a small town <laughs> journalist at all just right there on the front lines of everything with you so yeah and just funny stories and it's like trying to humanize people who you know they constantly tell other people's stories and here's a chance for them to tell their own experiences so that's, that's really cool that's that's the germ i've been doing about three years now that's awesome. Wow. And
2: and where where do we uh, go to check that out?
1: Well, the easiest you can just go to my website, mattshore.net, uh, second cheap plug of the day, uh dot net. <laughs> you can find a direct link there. But it's also wherever you listen to podcasts, you know, Spotify, okay, perfect. Uh, iTunes, Android, any, anywhere, anywhere and everywhere, somebody's gonna find one that it's not on. But I've tried to get it on everyone that's available. So <laughs>
0: So uh, speaking of your website, you know, I was on there kind of prepping for this episode, kind of seeing some of the other uh, cool stuff you've got your hand in. Do uh, you want to talk a little bit about some of those other projects or?
1: I'd be happy to. Is, is there one you'd like to hear about specifically? Well, I saw you're doing a board game.
0: Is that correct?
1: People usually ask about the Jesus comment. The, uh... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to steal Jeremy's
0: thunder. He's super excited oh, okay. about we'll, that we'll, one. <laughs> we'll, get to, we'll get to that next. <clears throat>
1: uh, no, it was, uh, it was a project I did for um, uh, Pinnacle Entertainment. And uh, it was uh, role-playing games, actually. And their concepts were, they didn't get in so much to the typical DD style RPGs. They wanted more like horror-based, so okay. it was a natural fit for me. <laughs> and uh, the, the handful that I got to do with them were, they gave me a project for, it was called Bruja, which is like the, the Mexico's version of a witch. So got to study some of that folklore and come up with concepts for like little adventures. And they're all based on just... Uh, 80s slasher horror film scenarios where you got to survive. Awesome. Like there's like a college party happened because it, it all took place as part of their East Texas University I don't know what you call this. It's like scenario. Okay. And uh, so they have all these characters that you can use. So it was always like, okay, there's a kegger out in the swamp and a witch comes <laughs> up and kills everybody. Or everybody's partying in the dorm and all the lights go out because a witch took over. Just stuff like that. But it was real fun to come up with this concept and like, because you have to tell a story without really telling the story because the story has to develop sure. through the players. Sure. So you, you sort of have to get this path but it has to be a really wide path so yeah that that's what that was and then there was a the, the biggest one that i got to do where i really got to dive into telling a story was uh this concept that i made with world war ii and i think i just called it isle of death or isle mm-hmm. of terror but the concept was that you're part of this platoon that gets stranded on this island and like your your b-17 bomber is shot down and you come to find out that it is this Nazi camp where they're doing all these awful genetic experiments. They're making zombie soldiers. There's a lot of Wolfenstein 3d influences. Oh, there this we go. Yeah,
0: I was thinking heavy metal, but yeah,
1: <laughs> it's like, it's like Wolfenstein. Yes. Heavy metal too. That's where I got the idea of the bomber going down. Okay. Yes, okay. I'm glad you mentioned that. So yeah, it's like that heavy metal sequence meets Wolfenstein 3d meets, um, Isle of Dr. Moreau, because then we also have these nice. genetic freaks he created as well. And yeah, it was just this big schlock fest of B-movie monsters. And I, I had a field day with that one. That was, <laughs> that was a lot of fun. But yeah, so I guess not necessarily a board game, but definitely you know RPG style, Dungeon Master, but sure in World War
0: II. So that was fun. Awesome, awesome. Well, and since, you know, we are uh, about a week away from Easter, it'll be a lot closer when this uh, releases, <laughs> let's talk about your Jesus comic, because the, the title has me really intrigued. Yeah, that
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I always say I'm known online as the guy who did Moby Dick, but at all the conventions, since I live in the Bible Belt, I'm known as the guy with the Jesus comic. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to put this out there, that, that was drawn and published long before Jason the MOA became famous, so it is not meant to look like him, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: My yeah, wife might Aquaman buy your comic at... now.
1: <laughs> Jesus. Go for it. Go for it. Go for it. That's at matt no. <laughs> 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 But no, seriously, I I saw Aquaman and then I looked at my comic and I was like, damn it. <laughs> <really> that.
2: <laughs> That's a lawsuit against Jason Momoa right there. He looks like my I Jesus. Know,
1: right? <laughs> I, yeah, maybe I can make that stick. That'll work. Season desist. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, anyway, uh, I always tell people it's based on a true story because that always perks their interest even more because it is actually, it's not something I totally made up. Um, I don't know how many people are familiar with the account. It's called The Harrowing of Hell. And I didn't even know that name existed until like several years ago. But it's this idea of, you know, what happened between the time Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave. And there's this theory i guess you could call it among some that like some would tell you he actually went straight down into hell confronted satan beat the hell out of him and left with control of death damnation and the grave and everything and like that was his ultimate victory over satan others are kind of like you know what it's not quite like that that's kind of silly and then there are others are like look none of that even like you know devout theologians like no that's just silly leave that alone So I talked with – I think I spoke with three separate ministers from different denominations just to get some input on this thing. And basically the consensus is there's no consensus. So to (laughs) me that just meant – well, to me (laughs) that just meant I got free reign to take whatever creative license I want with this thing. Right. I'm going to go with the silly one where he goes straight down into hell and – and uh, instead of just confronting Satan, he confronts everybody. He goes up against the Cerberus. He battles Mammon. He goes after Abaddon. It's it's just a full on battle and just goes nuts. So it's Jesus hack and slashing his way through hell's minions, monsters, everything with a flaming sword and ultimately confronting the devil himself at the very end. So
0: it's like so that- Dante's Inferno meets Kill Bill. Kind
1: yeah. <laughs> <All laughs> right. of. Yeah. Conan, the barbarian thrown in as well. <laughs> all right. All right. Wow. <laughs> and uh, what I guess what's interesting, uh, I've, I've heard people say that your characters are little pieces of you. And as I wrote this story, I distinctly remember thinking that the one who sp- almost speaks for me <laughs> is the devil. <laughs> He's talking <laughs> to Jesus at the very end, telling oh, God, like so you much know, in common with this guy. Well, because the things he's telling Jesus in this story, like I have Jesus deal with uh, uh, Mammon tries to tempt him with uh, beautiful women, which that doesn't work. Uh, Abaddon, just brute force, just going to beat him into submission. But he overcomes that. He beats that one. So the devil, to me, you've got to try another thing to try to stop him. His thing is to get into his head. So the devil basically tries to reason with him. And What the devil tells him, he's like, you know, the worst thing that people are going to do, it's not going to be that they turn away from you. It's going to be that they embrace you and then they're going to use you to justify all the horrible shit that they're going to be doing to one another. Oh, and they're wow. going to do all of it in your name. And as I'm writing all this down, I thought, this is exactly what I want to tell this guy. <laughs> <laughs> so,
2: wow. I like that. Anywho,
1: yeah, I, it, uh, I didn't want it to just be because I didn't write it. Uh, with the intent of being any kind of ministry tool. If somebody uses it for that, that's fine. You know, if that's, you take some kind of meaning from it, I have no problem with that, but I'm not out to convert anybody with it. I just thought here's a cool story, but I wanted to give it some kind of, make it mean a little bit. It's not sure. just Jesus beating people up for no reason. So and <laughs> w- what I personally felt the most controversial thing I could have done in this whole comic. And I've got, it's got topless women. It's got beheadings. It's got blood and gore. It's got, it would have
2: the black screen with the white warning text before. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It would. It right after the 700 would. club. <laughs> but honestly, for me, the the most controversial thing I did in this, is there is one panel after the devil tells him all of this where Jesus actually wonders, am I, is this, should I do this at all? Should I drop this whole thing? Like to me, that's, and of course he decides, no, he's going to stop the devil and take care of humanity. But I just thought that one panel to me, that's the most controversial thing I can do with it. Nobody else seems to agree, but that's my (laughs) thoughts.
2: No, I like where you're coming from though. It's interesting. Makes me want to check it out.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you. Um, you know, the the thing with, with Jesus and I'm not going to get too into religion on, on here, but, um, what I've I've always thought about Jesus is ever since uh, I'm sure you guys are familiar with the life of Brian Mm -hmm. by Monty Python. Oh yes. I love, I love, love, love that movie. But I remember it was either like the commentary that you used to be able to get on DVDs or something, but they were saying when they did that film, the whole reason it's the kid born next door to Jesus is they wanted to lampoon religion. But when they started looking at Jesus and all the stuff that he was teaching, they're like, you know, we, we don't have a beef with this guy. And you can't really make fun of the stuff he's talking about doing. Love your neighbor, look out for the poor, be good to one another. And I just always thought if people just did that, then non-Christians would really not have a problem with members of Christianity. It's all the other stuff that they tack on with it. That's where the problems yeah, come uh-huh. from. And so, and that's kind of where I was coming from with saying satan is speaking for me because that's what satan's telling them it's like <laughs> your message is great but you know they're gonna add to it and they're gonna mm-hmm. really screw it up sure Something mm-hmm.
2: very intrigued man that's very cool and and this is another title that's at matt that's it yeah i can spell it out again if you want to well, i'll tell you what <laughs> go ahead and spell that out and give us your uh twitter and instagram stuff
1: let it let it let them know where they can find all this stuff man Sure, yeah. The, the easiest place, because all this stuff is connected, is my website mattshore.net, mattschor rnet Last time I'll do that, I promise. <laughs> and you can also find me on Twitter uh, at the Matt Shore, and you can find me on Instagram at the Shore. And if anybody's using TikTok like I am, I'm experimenting on this one. You can find me at the One Matt Shore. That's the numeral one Matt Shore.
2: Nice, very nice. Lots of different places. And again, uh, check him out at was it Rick's comic store on the Free Comic Book Day? Oh yes,
1: on on May seventh. If you are in Clarksville, Tennessee, or anywhere nearby, Rick's Comic City. It's on Madison Street in Clarksville, Tennessee. Yeah, uh, come come say hello, say hi to the other creators there because there should be a handful of us. Awesome, uh, awesome. Definitely
2: wish we could, but. Matt, thank you so much for being here, man. This has been a this has been a fun episode. Hell yeah! <laughs> we've gone, <laughs> yeah, we've gone a lot longer than we typically would. <laughs> so that's how you know you got a good one. Well, thanks bag. so much for having me. I appreciate it. You guys have been fun for me as well. We'll definitely get you back on in the future, but randy why don't you tell everyone where they can
0: find us go to com. check out our special guest page uh, past episodes get some merch there's that link to the patreon and if you're an artist or somebody who wants to promote something on our show uh, send us link on our contacts page and you can find us on
2: twitter at candairpod and on instagram at canned underscore air and again on that website randy was just talking about com. there's merch and patreon links Two ways you can support us and get a little bit in return uh, for uh, said support, and don't forget Fan Expo in Cleveland, April 29th, 30th, and May 1st. A lot of cool guests going to be there. Comics, toys, uh, what, video game experiences, all kinds Probably, of stuff. Yeah. Panels, you know, I mean, the way cons do. <laughs> so uh, you know, if you're going to be up that way, let us know. Uh, we'd love to meet up, uh, shake the hands with some of our fans, and what what am I forgetting?
0: Uh, evergreenpodcast.com check us out on there
2: yeah and some of the other great shows they have as well and i think that's gonna do us that's probably gonna do it so until next time i am jeremy colley i'm randy hardenbrook i'm matt shore thanks so much everyone and be excellent to each other Remember, you never want to approach a stray dog, especially one that's foaming at the mouth. Get away from the animal as quickly as you can and tell a grown-up. And knowing is half the battle.
0: G.I. Joe!
1: This has been a Canned Air production.